Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Uh, today, I've got a special guest, Vince Mozik. Uh, Vince, you've got a lot of roles, so why don't I probably just leave it to you to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us who you are, and give us your background. Great. Well, thanks a lot for having me. I'm, I'm enjoying to share some of my uh, supply chain experience with everyone. Uh, as far as my background, I have uh, have over 15 years of supply chain experience. I've, I've been fortunate to work at... Um, you know, many different Fortune 500 companies. Um, my background's undergraduates from Western Michigan in supply chain in the in early 2000, I graduated. And then I worked at, um, you know, during during my role there, I worked at Mitsubishi Motors, uh, Marathon, General Electric, and then um, electronics company, uh, Jable Circuit, and then in automotive uh, in around the Detroit area near the recession time. So when everything, um, you know, we had some challenges with the recession. I moved down to Dallas. I currently live in Dallas for the past 11 years. Um, upon that, I work in the aerospace industry. So I worked at a company called Parker Hennepin, which is a very large conglomerate. I was a strategic commodity manager. And then my last role for the past eight years has been at a company that was a subsidiary of Boeing called Avial. And then Boeing, um, now it's fully integrated with Boeing. So I've been, I'm a, I've been a demand planning a leader there uh, for the last couple of years. And then also uh, outside of you know corporate world, uh, I've been teaching um, at the University of Texas at Dallas uh, supply chain undergraduate course for the. It's I'm starting my sixth semester now, so I really enjoy that. It's really nice to give back to the younger, uh, you know, future leaders in supply chain. And then I've been teaching um, APIC certifications for the last couple of years as well. So. I think the last couple of years, I realized that I have a, a, a passion to share the best practices of supply chain. And I've been able to try to find a way to weave my, uh, to, to allocate my time accordingly. So. Well, that, that makes that sense. Helps. It certainly, certainly keeps you busy, I bet. Yeah, it does. And I really, um, I do enjoy it. And I've learned a lot about time management. I think I look at my time a lot differently than when I was just working uh, a com at a company and didn't have any other uh, extracurricular uh, re responsibilities. So, Yeah, that makes sense. Well, wh why don't we get started on maybe talking to me about, uh, you say you've got a passion for the future generation of supply chain leaders. How do you think that the, uh, the role has evolved since you've started to maybe, you know, what you expect the new leaders to look like? Sure. Well, I think that's a really good question. And, and what I realized is um, what drove me into supply chain is, you know, I knew I wanted to work in business and I've always been interested in how companies really operate. Right. So with that, it, one would tend to, you know, in supply chain, we're in the middle or we're the midst of all the, the chaos that happens at companies. I think um, years ago, you know, it was broken down between uh, you know, either if you're going to be in supply chain, you're going to work in logistics, you know, planning or purchasing, right? So now there's so much, as we all know, there's so much uh, physical and digital connections and technology based where the future uh, position in supply chain is uh, someone has to be a lot more uh, comfortable and aware of uh, how automation is important and how, um, you know, the soft skills can be uh, really utilized. So, you know, supply the best people in supply chain are always very creative and want to solve problems. And they're always uh, not afraid to understand processes and handoffs. So I, 
I really always, um, those that have the general problem solving capabilities will, will seem to do pretty well in supply chain, so. Do you think maybe uh, supply chain leaders kind of thrive on crisis and uh, uh, I guess do really well in these kinds of environments? I think um, the best supply chain, you know, there's in, in big companies, they expedite and it's all about, you know, oh, let's, you know, let's make things happen for the customer. But those that can take a step back and understand what's broken in processes to fix things are those that are really able to um, drive value with the company. So, you know, with, with that being said, I think most people in supply chain, they look into Six Sigma and process improvement activities because they're such a nice complement of uh, always trying to do things, you know, more effective and, um, you know, that are, you know, can streamline operations. So I don't know if that, did that help answer your question? Yeah, it, it does. It does. I mean, I think, I think the, uh, uh, when you look at the genetic makeup to some degree of people in supply chain, you know, or, or coupled with the nature of the job itself, it's, you're absolutely right. You've hit upon you know, creative solution, you know, focused people, people that are trying to find what's broken, fix it. Uh, so I guess let's go straight into what's happening right now with, with COVID-19. Um, sure. What kind of, what kind of lessons are learned or can we learn from a crisis like this? Yeah. Sure. So I think, you know, everyone's been suspect around forecasting the last, you know, 10 years and people always say on, on, in best case forecast accuracy is 68% you know correct right so with that there's so much focus on demand driven methodologies mm -hmm. and i think with respect to what's going on right now uh, companies are really realizing that um, we can't put a significant amount of attention around forecast we really have to get close to the uh, customer as, as as much as possible and really understand the consumption rate so we can come, become more demand driven so like really breaking down that horizon and and trying to, you know, there's a, um, you know, there's a decoupling point that happens in supply chain. So what that really means is how we move from a, a push system to a pull system. So a lot of companies are really important to that. But another thing that COVID, I think, really taught a lot of industries, I know in the aerospace industry, there's no, you know, those that have been reading the news, there's significant decrease in demand with respect to commercial travel. So um, a lot of companies, you know, look at, they, they want to um, always, you know, say, hey, we got risk mitigation plans in place and we look at probability, but I think it's going to force companies to, to require uh, more, a lot more attention to that because it's going to make it more difficult for companies uh, because they're always trying to, you know, fight through their targets for the quarter and do things with that. So going back to your initial question, I mean, supply chain leaders have to be extremely dynamic. Uh, they can't be afraid uh, to, to, to learn as they go. And, um, you know, COVID um, is always, it's just making professionals and companies always trying to find a way to innovate and really not be, uh, not get too comfortable. Because if you have the, the core, the core customer base, um, that could change very quickly, right? Which we're seeing right now in every industry is going through this. So I think it's going to make everyone stronger. I know it's going to make me stronger. And all we can do is uh, worry about what we can control and then just try to put it into our, uh, our tool set in the future, you know? And, and we do have plenty of tool sets that we can that we can take into consideration. Um, can I talk to you briefly about digital transformation? I mean, pre-COVID, it was what we were all talking about, digital transformation, digitization. It kind of means different things for different people. Uh, yeah. How do, what does it mean to you? Sure. So when, when we think about digitization, it's all about having end-to-end -end visibility of the movement of goods. And really, it's about how do we automate repetitive tasks? So what companies all big companies right now, they're really trying to figure out 
how do we automate these repetitive tasks and how do we make the, the new supply chain leader not do the, the mundane things, but do more of the, the, the complex work, right? So, you know, with that becomes bots that create purchase orders or things related to that. So when we think about digitization, a, a real simple way to think about it it, that I like to use in my class is uh, we think about, you know, we all used Uber before, right? When we order things on, you know, we order a vehicle on Uber, we can see where, how that vehicle's moving um, within, you know, to us. So that's one piece of having that total level of transparency and visibility that really helps um, people understand. And uh, yeah, just really embracing the technology piece a lot more. I think, uh, you know, when we think about digitization, that some of the things that come up is like Internet of Things, that's going to be a game changer. Uh, I'm a big believer of blockchain. Uh, there was just a great article in the Harvard Business Review last month that really touched on the importance of blockchain. And, uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, technologies are being looked at and assessed and what's the there's no silver bullet. I think it's mm -hmm. just a matter of how companies can really uh, understand what's out there and, and and really not be afraid to spend money on things because um, and, and try things to do things faster and, and smarter. So, um, you know, digitization is is uh, is is definitely critical, right? Well, we definitely don't want to digitize for digitization's sake, and I think a lot some companies have been guilty of doing that. Um, you know, the whole the whole idea now, post COVID, or I guess during COVID, is those companies that have not embraced digital transformation really get need to get onto that, don't they? Uh, in terms yeah. of implementing digital. Um, wh what do you think about the prospects of attracting millennials, younger people, diverse people from different backgrounds to supply chain? Do you think that uh, there's an opportunity now to attract those kinds of people? Yeah, I think there's more, there's been more. I think the one silver lining that we've seen in this crisis is supply chain is getting a lot more attention. So we're hearing, you know, it's a very common term now in the news. You know, the, the word supply chain, we've heard this many before that people say it should be called supply chain, maybe demand network and maybe something more, you know, customer value chain facing. I think um, it's getting a tremendous amount of attention because if you really break down with, with the millennials to say, okay, you want to work in business and these are how companies make money. And most companies sit around the, you know, eight to 15% margin uh, activities. And if you can really show them to say, if you can do good things at procurement from a strategic sourcing or negotiation perspective, you can drive bottom line. And how, how much, how rewarding is that where, if, uh, uh, you know, someone out of college is making a set salary, but they can really articulate how they save the company tremendous amount of money. Um, I think uh, there's so much, you know, interest for that. So I think it's just naturally, it's going to take a lot of, uh, it's, it's starting to move in the right direction. It's, it, it always amazes me today that uh, supply chain's not as is, is not as well recognized as it needs to be. I think what we're seeing is like we look at Apple and we're seeing some of these CEOs that have a some tremendous supply chain background. So Apple, Tim Cook has he's he, the reason he's in that role is because he's mastered the just in time and uh, situation and how he worked through that through his uh, through his growth there. So I think it's only um, supply chain's not considered a, a, a niche business. I think it ties into everything, right? So um, it's becoming more broader. And um, that's why there's so much growth. I know within Apex, we've seen tremendous growth in our certifications. Uh, universities see tremendous growth. It's, I know it's very common to be the highest paid uh, salary out of college in the business school. And it's for good reason, right? Because the more complex problems we can solve and we can uh, teach people to solve, the more value they should get reimbursed in court accordingly. And so I think it's exciting. What we're just going to say, what, what you know, you, you see these next generation of, of leaders in supply chain. 
do you know do they look different to say what they looked like 20 years ago 15 years ago uh what's their genetic makeup like what's their yeah. thinking like so i think that's a good question it makes me think that like the origin of supply chain right it all started like in the military background like logistics wins and loses wars right so we've yeah. we've got a lot of strategic supply chains uh lineage from military for good reason but i think we think about um people are motivated a little differently and uh the the old supply chain leaders i would i would um indicate that they they've they've been a little uh not as comfortable with technology as the future supply chain leaders are have to be so I think it's going to be pretty common that um, people that have a, you know, a strong IT background might, might have a passion around, you know, business operations. And that's a, that's a great compliment to move into supply chain. Um, and one, one piece towards that, if we think about before distribution companies were not as well, well known as they are today and the power that distribution companies provide, because at the end of the day, there's so much variety of products. So in, on the manufacturing sense, um, most of the supply chain leaders would come from it from an engineering background. They move into supply chain. So I think it's just being a lot more comfortable with uh, technology and then also really knowing how to motivate employees. And the, the millennials are a lot different than the, you know, command and control. They like to have creative uh, openness and they like to kind of here's the I've always liked. I've always had success with the best managers in my role where they said, here's our end goal, find a way to get there. And then that builds that level of engagement where you could become a problem solver to get to the end goal without doing every step, um, you know, cookie cutter approach, so. So the genetic makeup is a bit different, isn't it? You know, that then, as you said, the original, uh, I guess, supply chain leaders, the, the ones of 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's interesting to think about is I know like Microsoft Excel, right? It's, it's common. Some people, there's different levels of understanding of Microsoft Excel. I know that I, I wouldn't be in the role that I'm in now or the past 10 years if I wasn't really strong in Microsoft Excel, right? Yeah. And uh, I know that individuals coming up um, are going to have to be, Microsoft Excel is not the only thing, right? So how do we really understand all these different, you know, technology and the whole analytics suite suite where, you know, analytics are sit sitting on top of these ERP system and pulling metrics accordingly. And um, the, the beauty of it all is with technology and everything going on, one has to understand the, the fundamentals of supply chain. And then those um, could really bring significant value. So like within uh, Apex, you know, the, we're the largest, you know, we foster education supply chain globally. We're well-recognized. And it's all, it's no matter how advanced the technology gets in order to have someone really being able to uh, effectively use that technology, they have to understand all the inputs and outputs. So that's why it's like knowing how, you know, what it takes for the engine to work in a vehicle, right? It's kind of yeah. like, I see things that way. So, but yeah. Well, the, fun the fundamentals of supply chain, as you say, you know, which is imperative, but what about, mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about the silver lining of, uh, of the situation that, that, uh, I guess it's putting supply chain on the map, certainly in, in the common lingo that even your, you know, your uh, uh, person down the street knows what supply chain is, which might have, might have changed from where we were five years ago, right? Um, mm -hmm. So the silver lining is that it's opened us up. Does that mean that it might attract different people from different diverse backgrounds, different type of thing? What will that do to the profession, you think? Yeah, I think the great thing is right now, every company is getting a lot, it's becoming a lot more competitive. and, and customers are becoming a lot more, um, they want diverse products, right? So with that, um, it's requiring, it's demanding companies to think differently. 
And then they're going to start to focus more on, which they're already doing, you know, getting the right people who could, who could support those type of roles. So if we look at product variety across all different product lines, there's so many more options that we have as consumers, which is great. And then, you know, the Amazon effect, everyone wants things in two days. Um, so there's that benchmark that's being out there right now. Well, and, uh, if, if I could interrupt you briefly, I mean, probably the next generation, the digital natives are people that have lived only in the Amazon world. And so mm -hmm. for them, the expectation of their consumer behavior has set a certain bar of expectation that they have. So even if it's B2B, they're going to come into the marketplace, aren't they? Expecting something that you didn't when you were a kid or when you were starting that I didn't when I was started and maybe uh -huh. even, right? Would you agree to that? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I would, you, you appreciate the, they don't know any different, right? The millennials, some of them don't know any different, but I, you know, you know, we all remember those EDI feeds and those that work with pay, a lot of paper and, and supply chain, and then we appreciate how far we come. So yeah, um, people are less patient for good reason, and it's all about results. So I think it's, it's going to naturally um, get the right people in that role. I always love when I get this question a lot, and you might as well, that people always say like, why did you choose supply chain? What is the uh, interest behind it? And I, it's, it, I always take that advantage of that question what's being asked from, I get it from family members, I get it from a lot of people because they're like, well, we understand marketing, finance, but why supply chain? And if you really break down what supply chain is, I think people see how tremendous it could have in a company's bottom line. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's critical to a company's operation. So it's not really a uh, a niche role. And um, I think the, the future is definitely bright. And I'm, I'm really happy to find something that I'm really passionate about and that it's growing significantly, right? So. <clears throat> well, so, okay. So the future leader has got technology on, a, on a, his or her side. They have critical thinking, creative, solutions focused. Mm -hmm. they're, they're probably bringing to the table uh, an understanding of e-commerce and an understanding of yeah. consumer, you know, but the fundamentals of supply chain still are there and that's still very important. What about the element of understanding the business? You talk about having an impact on the bottom line, but you know, some companies you could argue will not survive this pandemic with, you know, if they don't improve their supply chain, supply chains will either, I mean, I, I guess businesses will either live or die by how good their supply chain is. So it's not just, yeah, it's not just profit, is it? It's about, you know, reputation. It's about the success of the business as a whole. Yeah, so that's a that's a great point. And I think we, when we think about supply chain, we'll talk about like demand planning, right? A lot of that activity can be automated. Um, and but when we think about the purchasing side of supply chain, companies need to find they need to partner with the right companies that really uh, complement their strategic, uh, you know, order winners, right? Mm. So I think with um, the beauty of like purchasing, at one point, it was considered back office work, like reactive right. mode. But there's so much, you know, there's so much content out there right now about how important partnerships with uh, the right external partners is critical to a company's uh, growth, right? So I think it's, you know, you, you ask a really good question. Understanding the strategic, I always tell the students, where I, and I always think this way, but really un, don't just understand how a company makes money, really understand what are their competitive advantages and their core competencies? And then how do you, how do you have that transmit through the entire supply chain? So when you make, you can make really smart decisions um, on, should we go with a supplier that's more expensive, but has a short lead time and better quality, or should we go with a, um, a, a supplier that's the, the, the converse, right? So it's all about um, 
breaking down product lines within companies and understanding what the, what the strategic driver should be for each. And then that could help um, be the landscape or the back, the backdrop for how company, how, how the, the supply chain professional can really help connect the dots and saying, this is how I'm supporting our strategic uh, efforts. Right. I think it's another thing that I didn't bring up is it's real critical for people to, in supply chain to under, to really be able to, to bridge how they're, what they're doing impacts the financials, right? So like, you know, income statement, balance sheet and cash flows and how they're really driving that value because the, the people that have been moved up the ranks in supply chain have been able to do that very successfully. But I, I know that like supply chain can get really tactical and, you know, transactional focused. You could lose, uh, the, you, can, you can lose connections with the other functions, right? So the more that everyone could always take a step back and, and understand the big picture and uh, share how they're doing is, is, is great. So, you know, we, we talk quite a lot about uh, or have talked quite a lot about attracting millennials and digital natives and young people to supply chain. Um, but what about retaining them? What about keeping them, managing them, motivating them? Yeah. Uh, can you give us some insight or some opinions on, on how you do that, how you integrate them into teams? Yeah. That's a really good question too. And you know, every supply chain conference I've been to, and I've been to, I, I go to a couple of years, there's always a breakout session about the talent gap, right? We don't have enough, we don't have enough of the right leaders uh, to meet our supply chain uh, challenges. So the whole thing is um, what companies need to real or what professionals need to realize is there's some companies that do a great job from a development perspective, but really you have to be in your, you have to be in the driver's seat on where you want to take your career. And that could be through certifications or it could be through continued learning, but you know, mentorship is really critical. So I've, I've been really fortunate. I've, I've had some really great bosses in my career that I still keep in touch with early in my career and um, really building up someone that really wants to spend time and sees potential and wants you to grow is critical. So I think the, the best leaders are those that really feel proud when they can watch people develop, right? When they can watch junior professionals develop and grow. So those that are willing to give back and share is, is essential. So as far as retaining the talent, um, you, know, pe you know, generally so people are, are, are most interested in the highest salary, but in, you know, I, always, in, I didn't become very interested in supply chain studies until I started working in the field and seeing how much opportunity there is to fix things, to fix problems. So I think those that are, it's always the, one, the ones that are natural problem solvers are the ones that are going to continue to stay down uh, that path and they're going to be engaged where they, they're, they're kind of self-starters, you know? So, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's the talent gaps, a big, uh, a big challenge for companies. Uh, corporate culture is a big challenge, right? So we, we all know that companies have a big problem. There's too many meetings that happen, right? There's not, a, there's not enough uh, action, maybe too much PowerPoint slides. And uh, that can turn a lot of people away. I think uh, that's, you know, that's a, that's a challenge that all companies have to realize and they have to be able to make sure that they're, uh, they're really listening to their, to their employees because we all say that employees are the best assets, but uh, the, the great companies are those that, that are really able to um, make sure that they, those employees that are passionate about something can could focus on what they're passionate about, you know? And, and, and what about the fact, you know, maybe old fashioned management structures that are, that create siloed environments, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes that might have an imp impact in terms of motivating uh, people that are <laughs> horizontal creative thinkers 
to solve problems. Exactly. So the whole, we know we, there's a term entrepreneurial spirit, right? So yeah. how do we be really nimble and we get things done very quick, right? So that's where companies, they'll preach that they want to do that approach. But yeah, there's all these different layers of, you know, okay, you, all these authority levels that have like signatures and it slows things down. And, it, and, and another thing that it does really openly is it it could uh, give people job security, but it's all about um, the best companies are, re are really to, able to break processes down. And they're really to, you know, re really trying to understand the value chain of how every individual process is being done. And then if you had time and duration of, around each, you can see where the bottlenecks and the opportunities are. But you're, mm. you're, you're right on where I think these very large companies, um, you know, they, they, they're, they're looking at how do these smaller companies, um, these startup companies, how are they handling things and how do we, how do we kind of build that into our operations? And it's not easy because we want to stand, com big companies want to standardize and they want to have metrics that are understanding, but then they want to give that creative freedom to the employee. So the the bridge is through having really good leadership at the middle middle manager level that are able to help. Um, you know, I think the we, employees can't be afraid to try new things and they have to be complimented when they fail. If they do fail, they learned. Right. So it's all about don't be afraid to, um, to do new things. So the best companies are those that allow the junior professionals to to do things that are innovative. And, and that's how they grow and, and prosper. So keeping this talent in is, is, is a combination of corporate culture. It's a combination of entrepreneurial spirit, which I guess is, is why a lot of big level companies, you know, big fortune 100 companies are uh, very much aware of the fact that disruptive younger entrepreneurial companies are really shaking things up and really giving them a company, a lot of competition. Right. I mean, this is real. Yeah. This is not, this isn't a sort of make believe game. This is real. Yeah. And uh, that's a great, that's another great thing that makes me think about it. It's, I've always, I've always reflected on the fact that these big companies, there's a, there's a, a competitor that, that they don't even know of yet. That's building some kind of software and pretty soon they're going to be, regardless of the size, they're going to be able to compete directly on a certain type of product line. Another thing that's, you know, going back to the digitization uh, uh, question there's so much, you know, those that can do, um, you know, data scientist type work that ties into supply chain and, and really, you know, streamline and automate metrics like dashboards. There's so much significance for that because right now the, the best supply chain leaders, they want to have an understanding of how things are, how things are, you know, moving through the score model. And uh, that's why we can take data and Excel. We can, we can flip things uh, many different ways, but those that are able to do that, uh, to, to code is critical um, on that perspective as well. Let's talk about data for a second. You know, uh, it seems like though data underpins absolutely everything. We're producing a lot of data. We're sit, you know, we're sitting on a lot of data. Um, do you think that the leader of tomorrow has an understanding and an appreciation? Not just an understanding, an understanding and a real appreciation of the value that data can bring to a business. Uh, I think. Right now, there's a lot. The, the, the challenge is, is there's so much data that companies have and, and companies are starving for information. So they have all this data and they don't know what to do with it. Another thing that comes up is like sharing data between partners, right? People see that as proprietary and they're afraid that if they share data, it might get a, misused or might take away the, um, you know, what, how the company makes money. I think there is an underestimate of, of data, if I were to generalize. Um, because we don't know uh, how critical 
it could have on a, on a supply chain, right? So a lot of times people gloss over data, but it's, and then you, you can, you know, it's just all about understanding what are the key takeaways. And um, the, the whole thing with data is, you know, if it's correct 60% of the time, you know, you can go with the decision and do testing and, and prove out your thesis. But I think where people get spun up too much is they want the data to be precisely accurate and they're wasting time. So there's, you know, like with Six Sigma projects, those are heavily data driven. Six Sigma projects are really important, but I think where it slows things down is, um, you know, sometimes the data element, which is critical, could, um, could, could require, um, you know, analysis by paralysis or things along those lines. So um, I think over time, the, the, with future professionals will become a lot more under, uh, aware of the importance of data. And I think it all starts with, you know, whenever you, I've always enjoyed, like whenever you show metrics or, or charts to, you know, coworkers and things like that, people always get excited about seeing trends. And uh, a lot of times people believe it um, more than, you know, being curious about, let me understand the inputs that make up those trends. So I think if you get to the conversation at the granular, le granular level with companies, it helps build that level of uh, uh, equal understanding of how that data was developed. You know, so. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give to supply chain leaders about hiring and retaining top level talent, the upcoming talent that's coming up, plus uh, with regards to, um, I guess, building a resilient supply chain? I mean, so, I was, as I'm asking that, that's a big loaded question, isn't it? So let's let's go yeah. first with it, with the training, you know, the sure. hiring and retaining staff. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I think um, the, the first thing is, you know, my first job out of college was at General Electric in Bloomington, Illinois. And uh, I was always, I was impressed by the way they handled the hiring approach. And they said, we're just looking for talent and we're going to find a role for you in supply chain. Initially, they, they saw me as I had a lot of internships, you know, going out of college and I was lucky to have a job out of college. But what they said is, we're going to work with you and we're going to make sure that we find something that you, a, a function that you want to work on and projects you want to work on. So I think at the initial stages, companies have to um, really be open to making sure that, you know, we're going to, this is a partnership. We're not just going to give you an assignment and, and, and just, you know, so, so how do they build that level of trust early? And then also like, you know, competitive salaries is critical. But the other piece that I think the great companies are getting it is uh, the bonus structure. So at the end of the day, to empower employees, you want them to be really understanding of, um, they wanna be able to influence their bonus, right? So, you know, return on net assets. And they can say, well, if I directly drive inventory reduction down, I can improve return on net assets. So things like that, um, you know, and then on the purchasing side, it's all about, you know, cost out, right? So if you can drive cost out of the supply chain, uh, I think companies are doing a disservice because they have this flat salary. And when, when the professionals are really doing great things, they're not rewarding them, them for that, right? So mm -hmm. within purchasing, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to drive cost out of the supply chain. And there needs to be more of, an, more of a flexibility of uh, a payment structure that, that's related to that. But with that, um, you know, spinning the data and making sure that people understand that it's, it's, you know, there's a big difference between cost avoidance and cost reduction. Avoidance is like, you know, we thought it happened and we made it happen, but sometimes companies use the two directly and they're completely different, you know? 
So I think, uh, you know, real quick, uh, talent structure, be creative openly to the professional, just find people that have the right uh, values and then you'll find a home for them. And then uh, bonus structure is critical. And then also make sure that they start, you know, right now, you know, within a couple of years, people are trying, they're going to new companies and, and in supply chain, it's great. There's a tremendous amount of opportunities out there. We're in a fortunate time, but the, the great companies are really able to um, not be, not be um, overconfident that all this talent is directly going to always come to their company because we have things now like Glassdoor, right? Very transparent yeah. on how companies' cultures are. And uh, individuals are looking at that. And uh, professionals are having a lot more um, awareness about when, what, what's going to happen when they work at a company, what to expect, you know? So, you know, that's an exciting thing that's going on on the talent side. And then, um, go ahead. And then insofar, yeah, I was just going to say, and then insofar as, I mean, I, I realized the question was a big one. It's almost like a, a whole topic on its own. I think, let me, let me just change my question a little bit. In terms of uh, digital transformation, you know, are there any kinds of technologies that are out there that are exciting to you right now? And uh, yeah, that's it, that are exciting to you right now that you think will help with digital transformation? So, so technology that I see is uh, exciting. I think anything that's open source, uh, there's a lot of, you know, cloud-based uh, demand planning, you know, things that are connected, you know, so with the, the challenge, like with every, every company wants to claim they have an ERP system that's fully connected. And the truth of the matter is most companies don't, right? And then when you look at SAP, for instance, it's only got, it doesn't really do a great job of like network optimization from a demand planning perspective. So a lot of companies are looking to identify um, more of a, a, a strategic software that can that can kind of bridge that gap. The challenge that happens when you put all these software to, softwares together is the interface gets broken between the two, right? Or the, between the three. So, you know, it's interesting when we look at technology. I mean, there's, you know, you know, like there's a big movement on, you know, Canaxis, a rapid, uh, I think it's rapid deployment and like, you know, SNOP companies are trying to find ways to automate, you know, SNOP. But at the end of the day, I think, technology is not going to, it's all about, is it a process challenge or is it a technology constraint? And then how do we bridge those two together? So, um, you know, SAP's moving to HANA. There'll be a lot of activity around that. And I think it's just the ERP, the old ERP way of Oracle and SAP are going to have a bunch of niche software. And I think those that win in that space are really having software that can fully connect that could become like demand driven. So, you know, what's amazes me in my experience in supply chain, it's like all these companies have the same problems, the same challenges, regardless of the industry. And a lot of times it, it becomes, it, it's just, it's pretty basic. It's right. How does that workflow get scheduled and get prioritized between the purchasing uh, team and between the planning? And the, how do we make sure that our metrics roll up accordingly? Right. So the great thing with, you know, I think there's so much movement in software about about analytics right for good reason so tableau uh you know spotfire things like that those are going to continue to grow and, and become important um it's just a matter of understanding the whole landscape of what are all what's all the technology that's out there and how we can fully utilize it i think it's a crowded space though because a lot of companies are trying to sell this silver bullet on hey we have the software to fix everything you know you can't you can't automate snop right you're never gonna be able to automate sales and operations planning so i think it's just a matter of how do this, the best companies are able to 
find this technology and leverage it, right? So what I find interesting is like, we think about Tesla, right? We all know Tesla is a great car, you know, electric vehicle. They have all this excitement around them. You know, from a supply chain perspective, they built their own ERP system because it's, yeah. it's made up of software engineers. Another thing they did, if you look at the way they deliver vehicles to the customer, it's, it's more of a pull system than uh, they don't have dealerships, right? So they're doing, Tesla's doing great things from a, a supply chain perspective that are not as well recognized, right? So, right. Um, you know, there's, I think- So I guess just question, question the norm, question the norm, not, not yeah. look at the exact, you know, the, the, the old projects of old. I mean, if you think about an ERP implementation back in the day, you know, making a decision on something that could be like a whole four-year project, couldn't it? So with the yep. pace of change the way that it is and with technology changing and evolving so quickly, that kind of decision-making is not feasible anymore, is it? Yeah. We, uh, another one that's real popular is like, it's a company called PTC out of Boston. Yeah. And they, yeah. they're supposed to be the leaders of the Internet of Things. And they have all this, uh, you know, end-to-end you know, technology that's trying to really leverage that. So I think there's going to be a lot more companies that are going to be uh, moving in that direction. But yeah, it's, it'll be, it's exciting times, you know, it's all about, we want to solve problems and how do we use technology to solve those problems? So I guess, so, so I guess like maybe sort of like a parting question to you um, is what opportunities, again, not to downplay any of the horrible things that are going on in this world with the pandemic, but what opportunities do you think that the pandemic can can bring to supply chain professionals? As far as opportunities, I think during during this time where we're working from home, the professionals should be making sure that they're they're sharpening their sword, right? They're they're really learning yeah. about what else is out there. And what I what I always tell my students is these big large companies, they, they don't have everything figured out. And uh, they they really need help. And they need innovation, they need creative ideas that come from the ground up that get proven out. So I think where um, what the what people should be thinking about is, okay, my job, you know, is this, but how does it really fit in the big picture? And how do I continue to grow um, in that level of, of understanding so I can become a better professional? So, you know, being very innovative, trying new things, there's so much, it's amazing, there's so much content at our fingertips. We can really become an expert in anything, right? Through online learning and things like that. So, um, so sharpen the saw, right? Okay. That's basically that. Basically, I mean, right yeah, now the opportunity is we're all working from home, so we've got more time to really look yeah. at you know ways to improve things. You also talked about how uh, supply chain being elevated to uh, being common parlance to being on the minds of everybody gives us the opportunity to shine a, shine a light on the profession and therefore maybe hire different diverse talent, et cetera. Would that be mm -hmm. something else that you would agree to? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we think about the rock stars at companies, right? Most all companies are revenue driven, right? If you can close that deal with the customer and you can become that, you know, really, you know, savvy salesperson and, and, and you get a lot of respect and attention for good reason, right? You're bringing in revenue into the, into the, the company. But I think where, those, you know, the future rock stars, I think, are really going to be a lot more focused on supply chain. And we, th we look at, you know, you can create this analogy to sports, right? So, you know, my, my passion is soccer, right? We, we always look at, you know, those who can score the most goals as the superstar. But in reality, if you can, those that understand the game and they can understand how things fit together in order to make that possible um, are the ones that enable companies to really prosper and grow. Because no matter how much work is, is, is being awarded to a, a company, it's all about execution. 
and how do you execute um, work that could support the customer, you know, at the lowest cost possible to meet the quality. So I think it's all this uh, back office type work where it's not getting a lot of attention in the past. It's going to get a lot more attention because going back to the, to the statement that it's so competitive uh, right now in all different industries, um, it's really important for companies to realize how we can do things differently um, and how do we embrace that talent um, and then embrace digitization to really make sure that um, everything can, you know, move in the right direction. So, well, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for uh, doing this, Vince. I really appreciate you taking the time to come join us on uh, on on Fin TV and chat with us about your views on the profession, your views on what's going on in the world, and I'm sure we'll see you again in another episode. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks a lot. I'm, re I'm really happy to. Um, you know, be a part of this. So I, I really um, look forward to, um, you know, staying in touch with your organization and helping where I can. So thank you.